Welcome to the first episode of the Ugly Ducklings podcast. I'm Rashida, and I'm accompanied by my best friend. My name is Bryce Lennon. And we are the Ugly Ducklings. So you're probably thinking, why are we doing this podcast? So for me, um, me and Bryce are always having all these deep discussions on a plethora of topics. And I just thought, you know, I feel like our conversations are hilarious. Um, We're low-key comedians. So I thought, why not? just do a podcast plus it's 2021 and we're still in a pandemic with shit to do. So like, why not? So whether you listen or not is really not the point. It's just a matter of us like really recording and really talking through a lot of issues that are affecting us. Um, So anyway, with that, we will get right into it. And just because obviously the name will kind of dig into that for the first topic. So I'll let Bryce start, but what is your definition of an ugly duckling? Mm. Good one, Cheese. So I think, okay, so just off the top of my head, an ugly duckling, when I, when I first think about that phrase, is essentially someone who was given the short end of the stick, whether it's physically or emotionally, um, in their early adolescence. So let's say anywhere between kindergarten to um, maybe senior year of high school. It just depends when it happens. And um, when I say physically, maybe out of your friends, and this is all this is all subjective here. Okay, maybe out of your group of friends, you felt like you physically weren't up to par with everyone else. Whether that's people teasing you because of it, or just maybe your own internal insecurities, right? And then emotionally, maybe. You know, you felt like you just weren't cool like everyone else. Maybe you were socially awkward. So I think it kind of, we can kind of say that the ugly duckling syndrome can go, you know, both internally and externally. What about you, Sheen? Yeah, I think that's a good one. Like my definition, I think, is pretty much spot on with that. You're someone who probably at the beginning of your life in your childhood essentially wasn't getting no type of play. And that play could be whether, in my mind, usually it, goes more like your physical appearance and maybe your socioeconomic status. So you were like not given or had access to certain things. And now all of a sudden you do. And in my personal opinion, I definitely identify as that because I think it's like a humbling thing when you are an ugly duckling for most people, because you know what it's like when you didn't have or when you weren't seen in a maybe a more positive light. So now when you do get that, you're kind of surprised and caught off guard. Yeah, that's real. Yeah. I think there's there's a few things like as an ugly duckling, um, especially with dating and relationships that make it unique because someone who let's say was corny in high school and nobody was checking for, and even in college, like you were cute, but like for some reason no one knew. And then all of a sudden you're like 27, 28 and like girls might be looking at you now like, oh, he looked kind of good or even do the, oh, what's good with her or whatever it is. And you might finally get into a relationship, but you're like trash at it because you've never dated because you were always right. like overlooked. <laughs> no, that's valid. I think, you know, to our original point, we were the ugly ducklings. So we did get a late start to dating. And because of that, <laughs> We were less experienced than everyone else. So when everyone went through, you know, the butterfly stages, the bubblegum stages of dating, we were still being very, like, to ourselves and avoidant. 
And by the time we got into that stage, probably within our maybe mid-20s, everyone else was, well, not, we're not going to say everyone else, but people had more experience under their belts. It, it seems that way. But then again, based on our dating experiences, some of the people we dated who had a lot of experience still acted like three-year-olds. So, I mean, it's pretty layered, you know. <laughs> yes, it is. So, okay, to also bring the other side of it, do you think being an ugly duckling can be considered traumatic? Like, is that something that people carry with them forever? Or you think, like, you kind of can be that, become the, the beautiful swan and, like, completely forget all of that? Oh, I think there's two options. I think you can either stay the ugly duckling, which is you can stay as the victim, right? Like where you're like the martyr of the situation and like you're never going to overcome that hurdle. Like you're never, you're, it's always going to be like, oh, it's me. Like I'm never going to be good enough. I'm never going to look the part. I can never dress well. Um, everyone's smarter than me. Everyone's social media is better than mine. Like, you know, you might put yourself in that type of box. And then there's the other option where you actually did some self-work and realized, you know, okay, I look like this for a reason. Um, certain people are attracted to me for a reason, and it is what it is. And I'm content and happy within myself, knowing that, you know, I might not have received the best hand um, in comparison to everyone else, but I'm okay with that. So I think, to my point, it boils down to this, I feel like one day you're just going to wake up and the light bulb is going to switch on and off, right? On in the sense that you're going to like, you're going to be like, yeah, like let me do some self work here and work on my self esteem because obviously, if you know that you're the ugly duckling, it's going to affect your self esteem. But I feel like when you don't, if you're stuck in that place of the ugly duckling, you're not necessarily doing the doing the work, excuse me, and then you're pretty stuck there because we know I I can know off, off the top of my head. People that, that I didn't even go to high school with, elementary school with, who probably were ugly ducklings, and they consider themselves still ugly ducklings. And although they're not okay with it, they're not making any efforts, you know, to change or enhance themselves. Right. And I think also the other interesting thing about the ugly duckling is there's that side of it where you can do the self-work, one, to like love yourself and be comfortable in your own skin. And then... It's like that also, like that she's all that like piece of being an ugly duckling where there you actually were never ugly to begin with. You were never corny. You were never anything. It was just what people decided to define you as and you went along with it. And then you took your glasses off or did your eyebrows. And then all of a sudden people were like, oh, you're so hot. And it's like, that's all it took. Like, I've been this person. You know, and. To piggyback off that point, I think I just said when I was um, explaining myself, there's a whole other third layer, whereas, you know, which should be a completely different episode for a different day. Where, <laughs> have you ever heard of like, and I'm going to just use this example, um, cisgendered women who say that they like bad boys, like, you know, the girl that likes the bad guy, but then you learn that that girl just really likes chaos and yes. she probably overlooks somebody that was actually good for her which might have been the ugly duckling that was overlooked. So I think that's like another layer to it that the person, the people that are not attracted to the ugly duckling who also are not giving them any type of play, it says a lot about them too. 
Yeah, it does. I think it's childish. I I remember in college and even right after graduating in my early 20s, hearing conversations on both sides. Um, and that's one thing I will try to do. I'm not here to like do a man bashing thing or a woman bashing thing. I want to speak on both sides because I think both sexes are guilty of doing a lot of the things we're talking about. So this is not, yes, like I date men, but this is not about men doing this particularly. But you will hear someone say, and I'm missing in this situation, I'll use the example of a girl. Oh, yeah, I don't really like Jeremy. And you're like, okay, well, why not? Well, he's just too nice, right? And so when you're young, you just hear that. And you're like, okay, like, you don't really think much into it. And then as I've gotten older, I'm like, what if, what the fuck does that really mean? Like, he's too nice. And now knowing all of the trash relationships or just encounters that I've experienced, I'm like, so he calls or texts you consistently without you having to ask him. He wants to go on dates. Um, if you guys have it intimate, you're not complaining about the sex, but yet he's too nice. And this is the reason why you want to dead him, nothing else. And I'm just like, that sounds crazy to me. But yet again, I'm not in that relationship and I don't know exactly what it is, but I just hear that so much. And I'm like, your only reason you're not talking to this girl is because she's not like playing hard to get. What? I'm confused. <laughs> No, that's real. I mean, I think it goes back to what I was saying, like, where those those individuals, um, when they, in your specific example, that young woman who says, you know, I don't like Jeremy because he's too nice, either Jeremy might either be a pushover, which is not that attractive to some people, you know, meaning that he's too nice, that he can't stand up for himself, or sis is just out here used to chaos. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of people, I always have interpreted it as that, where you like chaos because like the last dude you dated was a bad boy and like was inconsistent and you guys had all these highs and lows and but you like still wrote it out because you were ride or die. And I'm like, we don't need to be ride or dies. Like, what are you bringing to the table too? I don't have, I shouldn't have to just be throwing myself out there to take all bullets for what? What are you doing to help protect me? If the answer is nothing, I look to me, that's dumb to be out here just like, yeah, I'm riding or dying for this man who the minute I'm not with him is out here in the streets making me look crazy. Exactly. Yeah, I think I definitely consider myself an ugly duckling and I feel like I still have a little bit of PTSD. So... <laughs> 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 I still feel like I'm, I'm triggered with certain things. So like, for instance, mean girls trigger me. So like when I'm in situations where girls want to bully, it's hard for me not to say anything or to, or to stay in that like environment because I'm like, it just reminds me of when I was a kid. But also in that same vein, going from people saying you're ugly to now like, oh, you're so beautiful. It's kind of like, still a little off-putting sometimes. And I'm like, wow, like this is a complete 180. And I think even sometimes the way I carry myself, I'm like surprised when I do get attention because I'm so, I was so used to being invisible in a sense. And then when you finally get that attention, I think in a good way, I mean, I'm very humble and I don't take it where it's like, oh, I must be the baddest bitch, but it's just more like, oh, like this is a pleasant surprise. I'm really not expecting this positive energy because I haven't, I hadn't gotten it for so long. 
No, that's real. And for the record, I know this doesn't mean much, but I just want to apologize to you for anyone that's ever called you ugly because my best friend is not ugly. <laughs> Thank you. So let's, let's clarify that. And anybody that said that, you know, perhaps they're obviously immature and they and that these young women or men, whoever, that they were projecting a little bit, you know, that's a whole other podcast. But I just want to say that I'm going to apologize on their behalf because I understand how that can really F, you, F somebody up in general. Like, being told that you're, like, that's a strong word. Words hurt. They do. It does hurt. And I think it took me a while. So I said I still have PTSD because there are certain instances where I think I still have insecurities more so in my own head where I'm like, why do you like you'll all like, let's say, get a really cute outfit on. I'm like, oh, I look so nice. And then something in the back of your, my head is like, no, you don't. And you're like, well, why do you feel like that? And then and this is like a few years ago, but I feel like now in my 30s, I'm at a place where I am very comfortable in my skin. But that's why I do say like ugly duckling, although you do become the swan, quote unquote, at the end, I don't think you necessarily forget where you came from and how people perceived you. And also understanding that the way someone perceives you has nothing to do with you in a lot of ways. Some people will argue with you perception is reality, but that is not always the case. That's valid. Some people just want to put you in a box. They look at you and, you know, we can go into it as well with colorism. Um, you know, like I am a brown skinned black woman, but, you know, people will look at you and assume certain things because of your skin tone um, or where you're from. Like I'm from Brooklyn. So, you know, a lot of times when I'm in rooms with white people when I was like in college and stuff, they assume like I'm from like the hood and like, oh, you, you, you know, did you have both parents and different things? You're just like, oh, wow, like all of these stereotypes just based on my zip code. And then when it comes to physical, it's like based on your skin tone or based on how long your hair is or how fat you are, how skinny you are. Like all of that still like sticks in your head, whether or not you've changed like your physical feature. No, that's valid. Like, you know, I can't speak, you know, I'm lighter skin for those who don't know. So I, I reap the privileges of colorism, so to speak. Um, but I definitely have heard and experienced things through my friends where I understand that some people say very, no, not, not that they say some people say like rude and horrible things about, you know, darker skinned African Americans or dark, not even just African Americans. It could be a darker skinned um, South Asian person, someone who's from South America, just darker in general, people have this like this deep rooted negative connotation associated with it, right? So like I said, like that's not my experience, but I sympathize with you hundred percent. And it's just pretty crappy that people always want to associate things based off their own prejudices and biases. You know, granted we all have biases, right? But when it comes to like for you, Rashida, your skin complexion, your height, where you're from, the organization you're part of, all those play a factor into how people perceive you before you even open your mouth, whether it's positive or negative. Yes, yes, which is crazy. And even for you, like, yes, you can say, yeah, you have some privilege in a sense, but as a lighter skinned man, um, you're still getting 
you still get negative stereotypes regardless, right? So that's the other thing too with colorism in the black community. For either way you put it, there's still negative connotations on both sides. Yes, um, there's a lot of history of the of people equating lighter skin with more attractive. However, you know, when someone's like, oh, you know, so-and-so acting light skin, it's like, what does that even mean? Or like light skinned men are very emotional or act like women, like that why like why do we have those things why do we say those things and, and that hurts still just the same but people throw it out there and it's like but you're black too and you know that's not right but here you are saying it Bray, i mean definitely to go back to now we got to revisit my little childhood or adolescent so um i was definitely i didn't necessarily experience like um the light skin jokes growing up, but I was definitely the overweight kid who was picked on because of their sexuality. And I was thinking to myself, um, I was having this conversation with myself earlier this week about, you know, essentially I got bullied because of that. Kids, uh, kids call them gay or whatever before I even had an opportunity to self identify myself as that, if that makes sense. Yeah. So um, for a long, for the longest period of my life, I was definitely, it felt like I knew inside that there was an attraction to men. However, I didn't want those same kids to be able to, it, it was like in the back of my head, I didn't want them to say, we were right. You are this F word. You are this chubby gay kid. I, in the back of my mind, I was like, I, I am this, but I don't want to give them that power over me. So for the longest, I just never dealt with that side or explored that side of my sexuality until I got into like my mid mid twenties, mm-hmm. um, which sucks because I felt like it kind of prolonged. I allowed that to prolong the exploration of myself based out of fear. Yeah, right. Because I, I hear what you're saying, though. It's like the bully, you don't want them to win, right? And so it's like right. you're there, but you're at the same time, it's like you're letting them take away your own truth, even if there is truth in it. Now, granted, they're still being disrespectful and mean at the same time. So it's like if you add in, well, now I am, you know, I am gay or I am chubby, and you like agree with their particular choice of words, it's not going to make you feel, feel real good about yourself. You know what I mean? It's just, ooh, like, I don't, did you have Juicy Campus? So, luckily, <laughs> we didn't have enough students for Juicy Campus. Okay. <laughs> However, I heard horror stories through you and other people I know that went to like bigger schools. Yeah. So we, had, we did have this thing called Viking Voice Exchange. Um, that was like a forum for our university. And I think the intentions were for alumni and students to have like, conversations through topics and then essentially turn into like a juicy campus okay yeah because i feel like that is a place where like people will try to out people in terms of sexuality i know i played college basketball um for those who don't know and so like there was like this whole thread about the the women's basketball team all of us are lesbians and like our team sucks and you're just like who is writing this stuff like Normally, it's probably somebody you know. I know, which is the which is even worse, right? So I don't. I will say, 
even though I do have a little PTSD in terms of sometimes how I view myself, think overall, I've be, still be, been a very trusting person because when I first meet someone, I give them their, give them trust unless they abuse it. And I know other people work the opposite way, but I just think, you know, unless you prove something different to me, you know, we're cool. But Juicy Camp is definitely would have been a time where maybe you would have been more paranoid because you don't know who's writing anything. And people will know like, yeah, because you used to talk to this dude and you're like, how do you even, who, only like four people know this. Like who wrote this? It's just yeah. I'm, I'm like, what is modern day juicy campus? Cause it, it's I mean, people still are out here doing shit like that. But I just don't know. I don't know. I think it's it probably takes forms in different ways. Maybe like it's not necessarily a verbal attack. Maybe it's like slut shaming. Like your news have leaked on Twitter by this random account. Yeah. I feel like that's what kids might go through now. Um, I don't know if, God forbid, they ever brought back the honesty box, because that was the <laughs> only you could see. <laughs> For anybody who doesn't know, Facebook added this feature in 2007, I believe, called the honesty box, where anyone could ask you a question sent to your profile anonymously. Yeah. Yeah, that was very disrespectful. That's how you. That's when you know people be talking shit because I would. I got like, oh, because you was talking to this dude in my honesty box, and I was like, see, I don't even know how you would know that, but okay, this is awkward. Hey. <laughs> um, I can't. Oh, back to our uh, topic, the ugly duckling, which is the title of the podcast. Uh, Rashida, how do you feel like? Being an ugly duckling in your childhood and teenage years, how has that prepared you for adulthood? Okay, so this is the one thing where I'm very grateful. So if I could do it all again, fine, let's do the teasing. Let's have the, the middle school tears, all of it. Because one, it prepares you because you get really comfortable really early with that not everyone is going to like you. And they're not going to even have a reason, right? So a lot of times you're like, you grow up thinking, well, someone has to dislike me because I did something wrong to them or I hurt, I hurt them in some way. And middle school teaches you, people just don't like you because they just don't like you. Um, and, you know, that carries on, obviously, throughout your life. So one, I think that is one thing it prepares you for. Two is being humble um, so that at a point where you do feel good and great about yourself, you're looking good, feeling good, and all of those things, you're still not arrogant. You're still not letting that get to your head because you know that beauty also is very subjective. And so I always say, you're gonna, anybody in this world is gonna be ugly to somebody. So no matter how good you think you look, you're not gonna be everyone's cup of tea and you have to be okay with that. And that's also on a platonic level. Some people you meet, you're like, hey, what's up? Like you, you personally feel an energy that you and this person would vibe and get along. And then they're just like, eh, I'm good. You know, and it's like you might take that personally when you're younger, but now it's like, oh, this is what it is. So I think it prepares you in that way of just knowing that everyone's going to like you. It helps humble you. And when you think about, well, if I could get through all of that bullying or teasing and all those things and I can stand up on the other side, um, feeling confident and loving myself, then like if anyone, you know, the rest of your life kind of gives you criticism, it's kind of easier to as a full adult you know, to be able to deal with those emotions and when people say things you don't necessarily like. No, that was real. 
listen, I'm I'm about to piggyback off that joint. Um, <laughs> I think I agree with you wholeheartedly, and I think the extra layer I'm gonna add is that essentially, I think these what I experienced. I, let me provide a little background. So, these group of young men I hung out with, they were essentially like the cool kids, right? And I felt like I was one of them. And they treated other kids poorly. And I never spoke up for those other kids because I was a cool kid. Why would I speak up? And I, too, um, participated in some of that bullying. I'm not going to lie to you. But then once the tables turned on me, then all of a sudden my feelings are hurt. So as an adult, it's completely taught me how to judge someone's character. You know what I'm saying? So if I could put myself on my 10, 11-year-old self, 10 or 11-year-old self's body, I would have definitely been able to pick up on that these kids were immature, one, as we all were, right? But then number two, that once the opportunity presented itself, that the turmoil was going to turn inward. And that because I didn't even, I wasn't even aware enough to realize my place within the group that I was at the bottom of the totem pole, that if given the opportunity, they would all eventually turn on me. So to my point, I just kind of have naturally now this sense of self-awareness with people. Like I kind of like know where I stand and I'm like hyper aware of just bullying in general and people kind of masking their insecurities and taking out on other people. I'm, I'm very, I'm very aware of it now. And I don't honestly think if I would have never experienced that, I don't know if I would be like that now. Who knows? I might be a bully myself. Right. Yeah. Right. You make a point to be a better person. And then like you said, you judge people a lot better. You're like, okay, I see how you move, how you operate, how you treat your friends. Do I want to deal with you when you treating your friends like that? I'm good. I'll pass. Uh, right. Exactly. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, it boils down to your character. You know, and as the ugly duckling, you know, hopefully your your self-esteem is going to be a little affected by it. Um, but hopefully your character is not that affected by it either, you know? Yeah. I think that's the most important part. You come out on the other side saying, I still don't want to treat people like that just because... I wasn't, you know, treated in the most ideal way. So I'm still going to be nice. I'm still going to have empathy. And, you know, yes, when people say things you don't like, you should stick up for yourself. But it doesn't mean that now, oh, this person teased me or bullied me. Now, 10, 15 years later, I see you at the club. I'm going to make a point to like shit on you. No, I'm not doing that. Like, I don't care enough. But, you know, you can get your own little slight smirks when it's like, okay, yeah, you were talking all this trash about me. And now, you know, I'm meeting you and you're, you're 33 and you're not doing anything with your life. Okay. I got the last laugh regardless. So it's cool. Right. <laughs> I mean, honestly, and to play devil's advocate, even if this person was a millionaire, like you, you don't hold, you don't hold any value to my life right now. So you can't affect me. Yeah, like, that's true too. I'm I'm at a place now, like yeah, when I was younger, I got hurt a lot, but I still want you to win it. Like that's where I'm at with my heart and my spirit. Because at the end of the day, I'm not going to see you tomorrow. We're not friends. We're not going to be, you know, chatting it up. But I still want you to win, and I still hope that you grew. Yeah, that too. 
Oh, that's a good place for us to stop. Oh, growth. Like Kelly said in Insecure, growth. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. Like, that is something we should talk about um, next time or whenever we do this again. Um, But thanks, you guys, for listening. Um, You know, our goal is that we, you know, put these out. We'll figure out the frequency as we kind of keep getting more familiar and comfortable. Uh, But We'll talk about various topics in relation to being an ugly duckling. Um, And if you identify, then please keep listening. And even if you don't, I think that some of the topics are just very relevant to talk about in reference to dating as millennials, um, working in corporate America, um, and all of the racism and social injustice that we've been seeing over the past year. But I mean, it's really been our whole lives. So yeah, we want to talk about various different things, but I think growth is a good thing to maybe bring up the next time we get together because how many of us have dated someone and then go back, you think something's going to be different, but there was no growth. So yeah. (laughs) Listen, you listen, you know, but then we got to hold ourselves accountable. You know, maybe we wasn't growing ourselves then, you know, I mean, look, you only learn from experience, right? No, exactly. All right. Well, we're going to continue to do these little podcasts. We'll try to keep them short, um, you know, 30 minutes or less. Um, But thanks for joining us. And you can follow Bryce on Instagram. Um, Let them know your handle. You can follow me on all social media platforms at Bryce Lennon, B-R-Y-C-E-L-E-N-N-O-N. And my blog, Unregistered Style, at Unregistered Style and UnregisteredStyle.com. Okay, and you can follow me at Love Jones Mark on Instagram. So thanks for tuning in, for listening to us, and we hope to catch you soon. Okay, bye guys. Bye.